Will you bow your heads with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for this day that you have made, for the forgiveness of sins. We pray, O Lord, that now as we have heard your word, we would continue to have open hearts to receive that word. Lord, may we not be like the man who looks in the mirror and when walking away immediately forgets what he looks like. May we hear this word and do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have been waiting to do a sermon like this for I don't know how long. Of course, it's one of the days where there are uh, many people. We've got chairs stacked in the back. I hope you can see me today. If not, I may. Here, let's see if this helps you. I don't know. We'll put a little booster seat for Pastor Dyer. I want to read you this last verse again. For those of you that are following along, either your bulletin or your Bibles this morning. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary. Ha. My parents have decided, yes, we will move in with you. By the grace of God, I keep reminding myself. We began to look around the house, and what I realized is I have spent this short half-life uh, uh, collecting things, and i got to tell you, what is seen has to be temporary because it can't stay in my house any longer. I have parents in their 80s who are now bringing a lifetime of stuff with them. We have a big enough house, I thought, but what is seen must be temporary. It's got to be gotten rid of now. Of course, I wait till this week. They come on the 12th, next Saturday. But that's okay. I'm a planner to some degree. I decide we need absolutely to do whatever is possible to get rid of that which is seen. And so, one of the great American institutions, the garage sale. I call up some friends. I say, friends, come and help. I need help setting things up. What time? 5.30, Saturday morning. I'm going to have a garage sale starting at 7. Great. Friday, the children are off. My wife conveniently has a lot of errands to run. She's gone all Friday. I have the children home. I began to say, I've got to get rid of them somehow. Graciously, I have another neighbor who was also home off of work that day. He is sitting there figuring out how to get rid of his children as well. So we said, let's team and do this together. He ordered pizza. I brought in beer, okay? I'm starting to tag things, get things, put it in the garage, leave it in the basement. Gonna get, I've got things that I need the crew to do at 5.30 a.m. Saturday morning. I need to get everything else ready so that it can be easily gone out so that the early birds by 7 will have something to shop with. And so we go on and on and on all day Friday. Well, Thursday night, I said, I got to do something. And I, I, I stayed up until 3 a.m. thinking about how to run the garage sale. I promptly got up at 7 on Friday to plan that. So counting with me, all of you kids, there's four hours of sleep Thursday night. I then stayed up until 3 a.m. Friday night. 
got up at five so I could be ready for my earth. So now we're at six hours of sleep in two nights. This is the most awesome garage sale ever. I don't care, just take it. I price everything. We get it all out. Everything's out there. People start to show up. The real, I mean, the big stuff, it goes. The, the furniture, the kayaks, all the different things. It's all gone. It's all going out. That which is seen has now become unseen. And I rejoiced. And then the sun really didn't come up like it was supposed to. The weatherman promised that it would be a warm 61-degree day. The wind picked up, the sun was veiled in the clouds, and I began to put on a down jacket that I had wanted to sell. There were blankets pulled off of shelves, and so the children and I began to huddle for warmth. Again, Cinda conveniently had a work day. So you know where I'm going with all of this. I began to retreat inwardly about and grouse about this cold weather and how the Lord had chosen not to make it a great warm day that people would just simply be out and about. I was going to be the first garage sale in the neighborhood, in fact, of all of Monument, that people were going to flock and take it all. And by 10 a.m., the crowds dwindled and it got colder. And I began to have second thoughts about putting all this time and energy into a garage sale, of making room for my parents. And then as often happens, as I sat on the couches that I was selling, actually they sold early in the morning, the family said, uh, we have to wait to borrow a truck, we'll come later in the day. I was like, pay me now, and then you can pick it up whenever you want. <laughs> but I began to still sit on the couches my comfy couches. And I began to think about the sermon, which is how do we live out our faith? Are we open to our neighbors? Do we bring the word of God to them? Or do we tend to hoard stuff and so our neighbors say, they're a Christian just... And they're a human being just like me. They just buy and, and, and put stuff in their garages. And I mean, I thought Christians were supposed to give and be loving and be available and forgiving and, and be in community and, and, and share their lives with other people. And Yeah. Yeah, I was having a garage sale to get rid of stuff, yes. But the Lord had other things in store. And other things in store as he brought neighbor upon neighbor. And, and I, you've heard me talk about loving your neighbors and getting to know your neighbors and having your neighbors over. But I'll be honest with you, I have a very strict definition of who my neighbor is. It is the person directly to the left, across the street, and to the right. You see, all y'all that live in the neighborhood are not my neighbor. Because that takes a lot more effort to walk two houses down. And then if you live around the corner, uh-uh, I can't see your house, you're not my neighbor. It's nice and neat that way. But as the garage sale went on and more neighbors came by and people drove by, oh, I'm telling my neighbor, I began to meet truly the greater aspect of my neighbors. 
when they would walk up, they go, hey, are you, um, are you the pastor that lives in the neighborhood? I was like, I don't know, what have you heard about him? <laughs> I said, yes. They were like, oh, are you moving? I said, no, my parents are moving in. What? I said, yeah, my parents are moving in. And to a T, to a T, every neighbor said, that's awesome. Nobody does that anymore. And I began to see the openings for the conversations that I could have. And I began to see the opportunity to not just sell a backpack or a couch or a chair, but again to see the opportunity of simply engaging them. The next door neighbor, actually, the one that's legit, she lives right next door, wasn't there. A guy came out of the house. He said, hey, I'm just house-sitting for Denise while she's uh, out of town for a while. I said, awesome, just going to have a garage sale. I want to let you know. He's like, oh, no, there's no sweat. I'll come over. He came over in the morning. We began to talk. Oh, you've got a, a lot of backpacking stuff here, and I see a skateboard. Where'd you get your skateboard? I was like, I don't know. It's a kid's skateboard. We're getting rid of it. He was my son's a junior, 21 years old, out at Western State, and studying business and marketing, and He's always made his own kind of skateboards, and his friends saw it. And over Christmas, 16 of them wanted a new skateboard deck that he custom made, and so he did that. One of the friends went home, happens to live next door to a major <laughs> skateboard manufacturer. They want 100 of them. He goes, can you imagine being 21 years old, still in college, and making bank? I was like, I know, I'm not making much here today, and I'm twice that old. He said, he is on fire. I said, let me pray for him so that it goes well. Let's just ask God's blessing. So I just prayed with him. Later in the day, another family, hey, your parents are, are coming in? Yeah, you know, my grandparents lived with us, and it was the greatest joy of my life. I said, yeah, I'm hoping for the same for my kids. I said, I asked that God would bless this. And she said, I'll pray for that. They weren't really hard conversations to have. They were pretty easy. People would see something, oh, you're from Oklahoma? yeah. I'm sorry. I said, yeah, right. <laughs> so where are you from? Nebraska, Iowa, all my other favorite places. <laughs> Here's the point. Stuff that's seen, it's not important. That which is important are the relationships that God has called us to in our own families, our extended family, and our neighbors, to our coworkers and to the people in this community. And it's about time to start investing in them. Hugh Halter, the writer of the book that we're studying this Lent, The Tangible Kingdom, writes this. We grapple with the bottom line issue of our willingness to take responsibility for our relationships with others. And whether we'll let the mission of God dictate the purpose and schedule of our lives. Let me read it to you again. He said, we as Christians grapple with the bottom line issue of our willingness to take responsibility for our relationships with others and whether we will let the mission of God dictate the purpose and schedule of our lives. The 
purpose in the schedule? Are we really too busy for the lost? Do we really not understand the purpose to which we have been called, no matter what our vocation, whether we are businessman or woman, whether we own or work for someone else, whether we are a stay-at-home mom or dad, whether we're raising grandchildren or in retirement, no matter where we find our vocation, do we not understand that the purpose, the reason we are solely on this earth is to give the name of God all honor and glory in that which we do, to take the resources that he has given to us and expand his kingdom? Is it, are we too blind to understand that this world is not about us? That my own pride, my selfishness, and the cares of, I, of this world shall not get in the way? Am I not called to die? To myself? To my God? To my passions? To my desires? To my sin? Am I not called to die and live that which Jesus Christ has won for me, which is life? And is not all purpose and my entire schedule should be around him and the people that God brings into my life? Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a son of the living king. Verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Do you know what this ministry is? It is that to which we have been called. That whether you find yourself at work, you are not there simply to accomplish the task. You are. You are there to do it well. But you are there because someone needs the grace of Jesus Christ today. And whether you open a door for them or whatever, but that you live intentionally to bring honor and glory to God, not happenstance. We don't just walk through life and go, well, you know, I mean, we, we go to the neighbor's kids' activities. You go to the neighbor's kids' activities because you want them to come to your kids' activities. That's not intentional. Verse 2. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. You know what this looks like in Christians' lives? Oh, we're believers in Jesus. We're perfect. People don't want perfect people living next to them. They want real people. I'm reminded over and over by visitors that come and come back. Hey, that's, a la that's one of the first times I've heard a sermon in years preached from the actual Word of God. That's why we preach the Word of God. That's why we encourage you to read the Word of God. That's why we want you to have your Bibles open at home, listening, reading, proclaiming the Word of God. It is the only thing by which your life can be transformed. It is truth. Verse 3, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Unfortunately, we have a battle, friends, because the prince of this world has darkened the hearts, the minds, the eyes, the ears of the unbelieving. And you know your family members. You know how hardened they are to hear the gospel. But it's not your job to convince them other. It's not your job to make them understand that they are false gods. It's your job to love them. It's your job to hear from them. It's your job to extend grace to them. It's the Spirit's job to change them. And with you in their life, God has a way in that is tangible. 
This is Hugh's point all along in this book, is that you are Jesus with skin on. And you have been called and sent to be the grace of God in action for the people around you. Verse 5, we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You understand what that means? That you are on this earth to serve the people around you. You are to serve them, Jesus Christ, which means you are to forgive. It means that you are to love, which means you are to extend grace upon grace, which means you are to share meals and do time with them. Oh, I know how you view a party with those in your neighborhood. You call it doing time. Get over yourselves and do time with your neighbors. As the middle part of the day went through with very few customers, by the grace of God, the sun shone again. The clouds parted and I shed that jacket. I took off sock and shoe and let my toes breathe. Just like this. And the neighbors came out again. And church friends came over again. And they began to say, well, I know them, I know them. I'm like, I, have, I don't even know my neighbors. And then some beer began to show up. A few bottles of wine. And we talked. And we shared. And we laughed. And I kept saying, you need another glass? Here. Here's one over on this table. Why don't you pay me rent for it and simply never return it? They're only 50 cents today. I got creative. We did life together for 12 hours yesterday. I did life with my neighbors. And Jesus was there. He was there. And it was great. It was beautiful. It was awesome to hear. It was awesome to engage people. And I began to understand the point of living out my faith is not about preaching a sermon. It is about being available. Literally, we got done last night, my wife, and I said, it was great, babe. I said, the couches were out front. I go, I think we need to take the backyard furniture, level the front yard, and put it out front. I think it's going to be the only way we're going to get to see, hear, and be with our neighbors. Verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Do you understand something? That the grace of God is the treasure that you and I have? That we have Jesus Christ living in us? And it is the greatest treasure that has ever been and that God views us as jars of clay. You might say, oh, there's a group named that. Oh, that's very special. No, no, no. Go ahead. Look at the back of your hand. Do it right now. With your other hand, if these answers are yours, raise it. How many of you have some scars or freckles or a lot of wrinkly skin on the back of that hand? How many of you look at that hand and you're like, that is not a pretty hand? 
How many of you are realizing I should have touched up my uh, uh, nail polish this morning? <laughs> Thanks, Steve. And uh, you got some hangnails. Some of you are realizing, oh, I didn't really wash those as well as I thought. Many of you are completely off the sermon now and really going, hands, hands, this is really bad. Wait, where is he? Clay jars are ugly. They're beat up and they're scratched. And quite frankly, if I'd have had some clay jars, they would have sold just about as well as the crystal sold. Here's the point. It's not about what you look like on the outside. Whether you have hair or not, whether you're getting larger or smaller, whether you have a tan or not, whether your body is riddled with cancer or not, we're just clay jars. We're dust. Formed. Formed for a purpose. Made by all kinds of, uh, uh, of, of things, but the master potter has made us all. We don't look alike, but we all have the same inside, and that is this treasure of God's grace, His peace, and His mercy. And we are to treasure that, that which has been given to us, but it's not to be buried. It's not only for me. We are called to be poured out. We are called to share that gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is a treasure beyond treasures. It is the thing that keeps marriages together. It allows reconciliation to happen where there has only been pain. It allows us to see the light of Christ when we have been living in the darkness of despair. It allows us to try again, to live again, for we have been called to live in Jesus Christ. Verse 11, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then life, sorry, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Jesus' life. Molding your dark heart. Changing your potty mouth. Altering how you spend money. Opening an ear so that instead of hearing the criticism that you normally hear, you begin to hear sweet words. And even as someone yells, you have compassion. Compassion because you know they're having a really bad day and they're choosing to take it out on you. But what you really hear is they need to be loved by Jesus. So you change, and you alter your day, and you alter your life, because there is no greater thing that you have come to learn than that Jesus Christ is everything for you, everything, and that you realize you have been living your life selfishly, and that ultimately no matter what is going on around. We are never perplexed beyond what God can handle for us. We are never out. We are never in despair. We are never actually killed. We are never actually uh, gone away with, thrown out with a refuge. No, God has a plan. And he reminds us to not lose heart. Though outwardly, in verse 16, we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And friends in Christ, that 
that which is unseen Jesus right now. I want you to know that on the last day, with the trumpet, loud command, when he comes down, what's going to happen is that which is unseen, Jesus Christ, will be seen. And we will see him as he is. And we will be joined with him. And that will be a great and glorious day. Not only that you will be raised with Jesus, but can you imagine your neighbors being raised with you? My prayer is that you would die, die to it all, and be raised in Christ. Amen. And now may this word of the Lord truly strengthen your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until his return to take us home. Amen.